Hey friends, welcome to My Sister Made Me View It, the Roswell 1999 edition. We are so excited to get into this next episode. Um, I wanted to jump in really, really fast and put like a little disclaimer on this episode. Megan, I am trying to record and your thingy. No one would notice if you didn't call attention to <sighs> Anyways, this episode is great, I think, but I'm biased. But there is going to be some adult humor. We didn't think it was bad enough to be bleeped out. It's more like innuendo. And so Meg and I deal with that by being very mature adults and giggling at everything and Megan making a lot of really terrible puns. Amazing. Amazingly terrible puns. About the punnets. <laughs> no. Anyway, that's what you have before you. So sit back, grab a drink, grab a snack, and take it away, theme song. Okay, hello everyone and welcome back to My Sister Made Me View at the Roswell 1999 edition. You've got me, Emily, who should be working on her book. And me, Megan, who should be drawing notes. But instead... We're making a podcast! podcast! About Roswell, the 1999 version! Emily has seen most of it and she's making Megan... Watch all of it! For the first time! In forever! And today's episode, so Megan, yes or no? You liked it, you didn't like it. You backdated yes. it? Okay. No, we got we got two great ones in a row. We're getting, again, and I know I just said this, really fun sci-fi concepts this season. Mm -hmm. That it's not just like, someone might find out we're aliens this week, but this season it's like, a town full of skins, and this time it's a town empty of people! <laughs> <laughs> so today we are talking about Roswell Season 2, Episode 7, Wipe out! With an exclamation mark. It was literally nothing like what I guessed. <laughs> I think I guessed water sports or memory erasing. Mm -hmm. uh, we just got Courtney. <laughs> we just got her on our side. And Courtney dies this episode, but she goes out with dignity. Mm -hmm. I like that. And I like that our maybe our recurring villain survived. Do you know what? It was really unclear. It was really unclear. Uh, but this week, the skins took all of the humans out of Roswell, and we had to use the power of electricity to get them back. And Maria was MVP of this episode. Most valuable penis. No! <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, we start off... With a special bus coming into town. Okay, but the special bus had a human... Did it just have skin? I think it was just okay. skins. But some of them looked a lot like tourists. I think that was because... You know how sometimes villains are like, Ha ha ha, this is hilarious. If I pretend to be a tourist. Sure, I know, that's a common tactic villains use. <laughs> Well, you're the one that knows how to hide and get rid of bodies. I thought maybe you would know how to that do that. That doesn't make me a villain. <laughs> that makes me prepared for what the world out there has in store for me. Okay. Do you want to hide a body? 
Emily just jump scared <laughs> you me. At me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, baby. Anyways, special bus is coming into town. Uh, Michael and Isabel, nope, Max and Isabel's mom has made them friole frittatas, mm-hmm. which looks like a bean and egg pie. It's a recipe she got from Martha Stewart. Mm-hmm. And Isabel and Max are kind of like together realizing like it's, we're made to understand that uh, their mom experiments with recipes a lot and they are not excited about trying this. So they've both agreed to go like pour big glasses of juice and everything. And, and Max is trying to talk to Isabel and he's like, is everything okay? And she's like, we just destroyed a whole race of aliens. So yeah, I'm just trying to get past that. That's all like really sarcastically. He's like, are you sure that's all? And she's like, yes, even though that's not true. But, but it's not. I just, oh, like, I don't know. Maybe for Max it's more black and white. Like, that was the enemy. We destroyed the enemy. Yay, yeah. us. But for Isabel, well, you know, Max doesn't understand this. So I, I'm going to give him a little slack. But Isabel, that was her link to her past. Yeah, and that was her faction of people. Like, those were people that were loyal to her. Mm-hmm. Except they kept trying to kill her. So, like, honestly, mixed signals. Mm-hmm. Then we get... The first time the sheriff is a decent dad. The very, listen, dad of the year for a day. For a day, which is better than everything he's been before. Yeah, so we're cutting in between a couple different scenes of like a happy morning with everyone together. Um, And so Kyle and his dad are out fishing and Kyle catches a fish and it's pretty good. Mm -hmm. (sighs) I hate Kyle's season two hair though. It gives me very 1940s vibes. Right, he looks like a greaser. He looks like Captain America. No, he doesn't. He does. He looks like he would, he looks like he's one of the bullies that made fun of Captain America. No, he looks like Captain, that's a Captain America outfit with the white, the tie white shirt and the. You know, in the military, they all had to wear that. Yes, I'm saying he looks like him. Okay, and I'm disagreeing with you. Okay, fine. Move along home. Anyway, (laughs) Sheriff is so excited about this giant fish that Max has caught. It's like a large mouth. Giant fish that Kyle has caught. <laughs> Emily just hit me and I remembered. Giant fish that Kyle has caught. <laughs> and I saw this coming 100 miles away. But she did. She Kyle, new Buddhist, uh, he lets the fish go alive back to the water. But Emily, I don't think they were using live fish for this <laughs> no, scene. No, <laughs> <laughs> because you pull those out of the water and they kick. Mm-hmm. And so... I'm watching this actor put a dead fish back in the water and push its tail and say, go, little buddy. And I'm like, oh, no. And so the poor sheriff is like, just looks at him, just looks at his, at Kyle. And Kyle's just like, yeah, it's a circle of life. I liked the the father-son subplot through Mm -hmm. here. Yeah. That was great. So they're outside the edges of town fishing. Mm -hmm. And... Maria and Liz are outside of town because they've had to drive 30 miles to go pick something up. It's like maybe a piece of kitchen equipment, do you think? Yeah, it looks like maybe there's, like it's a milkshake, milkshake machine or oh, something. I could see that. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> then we get the first shot of the phallic UFO sign. Because someone has shoved a gigantic rod directly through the crotch of a cartoon alien on the sign. Mm-hmm. And it's pointing up. Mm-hmm. And nobody in the episode comments on this. Nope. 
Because, honestly, they're in life or death situations all the time. But, like, it's comment-worthy, I would think. <laughs> but uh, there's, a like, a, a pulse that kind of goes and settles oh, over. Oh, it pulses? It pulses. <laughs> <laughs> and then, oh, I'm sorry, and then something shoots out the end? <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, it just, it goes all over? <laughs> for explicit on this one. What are you talking about? I'm just describing what happened in the episode. <laughs> I'm not infallible. <laughs> Spelled um, P-H-A-L-O. I, I, yeah. I did get that. <laughs> um, so we flash back to Max and Isabel and their mom at the table and sh- the mom? mom starts like asking like, where's Liz? She hasn't been here for a while. And sweet Max just goes, oh, can I have some more frittata? Like, like, and the mom forgets that she was asking about Liz. She's like, oh, you like my cookie? Which, we know the mom's a good cook. I think it's just a new recipe sort of yeah. a thing. Because Isabel is quietly in the background. Spitting into her napkin. <laughs> yeah. But there's a crash, and they look up, and the dish is on the floor. So is the frittata. Oh, thank goodness. And their mom is gone. And there's some frantic looking around, and we are flashing back to... Liz and Maria. Mm-hmm. And for them, uh, all of the cars are stopped all around the road. Because if you think about it, okay, spoilers. All the humans in the town have been locked out of time. But the cars would have been going at the acceleration at which they were traveling until they slowed to a stop. Yeah. Because an object in motion will remain in motion. I unless didn't... acted upon by an outside force. Oh. Yes. I didn't take physics, so... Technically, neither did I. <laughs> Just AP physics. Just AP physics. And Maria, as she's swerving to avoid it, ends up hitting a baby carriage. And seeing the actress freak out was so good. But then it turns out baby carriage is empty. Because, again, all the humans. I really liked having the girls in their waitress outfits for this episode. Because I think this is a very fun costume design. It's like those mint green Waitress dresses with, like, the alien faces on the apron and the silver cuffs and things. I'd wear that to a comic con. Mm Mm-hmm. But we're... Our characters are slowly starting to realize all of the humans are gone. And then the special bus rolls into town. And then the skins walk off, including Nicholas. I think they did a really good job going for creepy because he is young. He's he's small and, you know, young. I don't know how else to say it. But I think a lot of times, like, like you get big villains who are, like, powerful and scary. You've got, like, Bane or, you know, Vampire Diaries. And I love the idea of a young powerful villain because we we find out he has very powerful abilities and he you know gets the upper hand quite early on almost and i just there's something about a young villain that is so creepy and so Mm off-putting because you're just like oh you're a kid you shouldn't know how to do this. You shouldn't know how to, like, strike sure, fear into people's you'll be playing house. with your video games, young man. <laughs> so, Kyle and his dad actually spot the sign on the way back in, and this is how the sheriff first realizes 
what's going on is he's trying to radio into his deputy. Um, but the tension between the dad and his son right now is the sheriff is pretty irritated with Kyle's newfound religion. And he also starts to pester Kyle about dating. And, and you can uh. tell, like, this is a this is a fight that they've almost had a bunch. Because I think both of them are trying to... I think season one sheriff would have yelled about it. Yeah, yeah. And season two sheriff is trying to be better. And he's like, you're very different. You hang wind chimes in my backyard. Mm-hmm. And it just... The scene ends... It's kind of sad where Kyle's like, okay, well, do you have a list of any other ways that I've disappointed you? Father? I get where the sheriff is coming from to the point that... Kyle went through a very traumatic event. Yeah. And I think he might be worried that Kyle is not handling it well. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, Kyle, I feel like Kyle has raised himself. Kyle is very self-sufficient. Kyle has found a way to bring himself peace. Yeah. And it's just in a way that his dad does not understand. And so that has got to be difficult for both of them because they both want the same thing. They are just going about it in two very different ways. Yeah. Directions. And so it makes for great inner conflict. And I don't know. I liked it. I, yeah. I like this. I like this sub story. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, uh, Isabel and Max. Isabel's like very close to panicking. She is panicking. She's definitely panicking. And okay. So Max has just lost Liz, right? Mm-hmm. Liz has betrayed him. Yeah. And by the end of this episode, um, I feel that... Isabel and Michael will also have betrayed him. Mm-hmm. And <sighs> Isabel has this line that says, we're the last ones left. And I feel by the end of this episode, Max feels that he's the only one left. Mm-hmm. Out of the, like, original friendship. Yeah. Yep. yep. I think that's a really good way of putting it. Thanks. And then we get a bathtub full of Surprise Coca-Cola from my mind. Disgusting. <laughs> anyway, there's there's a, apparently a recipe that Courtney, the alien, gave Michael to help her make, to help her attach to her new husk. I think that's, so she just put her husk on. Yeah. I think a lot of goop must have come out of her from original the old husk. One. Yeah. So you think that's poop water? <laughs> I didn't say that. I'm just saying, like. When you give birth, there's a lot of body yeah. parts. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so what do you think a think skin actually looks like without their husk? I don't know, because in the the days of 47 or the whatever that was, we see the aliens and they're like the, the stereotypical little, little gray, gray men. men. But the skins live on the same planet i don't know how different they look because they say that like the outside air like they cannot live without the husk like if if the seal gets broken or whatever they're dead so i don't know if they're like little blue men or little purple men i don't know if they're humanoid at all yeah because be snakes well i was actually picturing the host oh okay or that little tangle of nerve endings or Mm -hmm. whatever yeah but a husk uh indicates maybe like a seed they did say they grew them from spores oh so maybe it's like plant life sort of thing 
Okay, okay. So Emily, in this in this next scene, so so now we we've seen all of the survivors, and so mm-hmm. we're we're cutting back to now all the survivors are going to get together. Maria and Liz are walking down the street, and then something just weird happens to the camera footage. Mm-hmm. It stretches, it distorts, it like inverts, and I don't know what that was supposed to represent or be because they don't have that kind of filter effect on anything else in the episode. Not in this episode, but in previous episodes. That is how a skin, that's how you know a skin is around. A skin is viewing them. What? Hey, do you remember when to say No! Yes. That's never true. I don't remember any of that. Well. I don't think. Someone was day drinking the last time we were watching. Not true. That was one time. Um, It was nine o'clock at night. (laughs) Do you remember when Nisato was walking down the street in like the very first episode of of season two? Yeah, maybe. So anytime a skin is watching someone. But there's no skins watching them. They're in town. Yeah, but they're not watching them yet. The skins don't know where anyone is. Obviously they do because. I I think that was not. I don't think the what idea. I don't know. I believe. Listen, I believe it's what you said it is. I don't think that idea was communicated clearly. Okay. Well, maybe if you would pay attention to the other episodes. That might okay, we watched episode one six months ago. You just got to remember things better. I don't want to. I don't want to <laughs> use my brain storage for this show. I love. This like show. I'm enjoying it, but I don't want to preserve it in my memory. Okay. Okay. So that's what's happening. The skin, because see, look, they find a piece of skin. The skins are there. Okay. Still not enough. What would be enough? Someone to see walking someone. Down. No, yeah, to literally see the skin that's watching them. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. Thank you. Um. So everyone, well, the aliens have all gathered in the Crashdown Cafe. Um. And they still cannot find anyone at all. And so they're just like, oh, everyone is gone until they realize, oh, no. Because they're like, every human is gone. But then Maria and Liz show up and Maria immediately goes to Michael. And Max just stands there. Max and Liz have some eye eye contact. (laughs) They're both very sad and pining. Yeah. Max doesn't seem to be very worried about this, but, like, everyone is like, our parents are gone. Our friends are gone. What's going on? And they're rightfully freaking out. Like, Maria is calling Alex, you know, just trying to find out where he is. And we get a really sad moment where Maria finds a burned CD on the counter at the Crashdown Cafe, and she realizes Alex was there. Um, He had brought over his new CD to show to Maria. Which... She says it's a CD that his band burned. Isn't she the lead singer for their band? I think that was a one-time thing. Okay. But I don't know, so. Um, so they want to find out who did this, and Tess is like, duh, of course we know who it is. It's Courtney. Yeah. <laughs> but everyone's like, no, it's it's probably Nicholas, actually. Yeah, because they, obvi- they went and destroyed everyone's husks. Like, duh. Well, also, Tess is like, you led the skin straight to Roswell. I'm like, they knew where you lived. I mean, obviously. I mean, Valandra, not Valandra, Congresswoman Whitaker died in Roswell. Yeah. And had been 
sending them information. Yeah, she had pictures and sound bites of everyone. Like, the Skins clearly knew where everyone was. So, Skins are approaching the crash town, and Tess gets a real level up with her powers this episode. Mm-hmm. And, uh... She disguises the wall, so they all they all hide in the bathroom. And at first, I was like, "What? There's no escape. Hide in the back, at least." Um, but Tess uses her mind powers to change the wall of their bathroom door into a mirror, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, the way that they dress Nicholas, oh yeah, Nicholas and his mom Ida come in. The way that they dress Nicholas makes him look even younger. So like, <laughs> he had. The big baggy sleeves last time. And I don't know. They do such a good job of styling him to look like a kid and make him feel younger. Yeah. He's a really good actor because he does have some of that like gravitas where you can tell he's really the one in charge even though he's stuck in like a child's body. Um, I guess a teen's body. Maybe not a child. But to him, I mean, you know, that's got to be really frustrating. He His face is barely tall enough to see over into the mirror. And we got this maybe a little bit last episode, but we got a couple times this episode that I like, that he calls Ida mom, but she calls him sir. Yeah. And I'm like, that's weird. That's weird, but I kind of like it. Look, Maria is sniffing her oils. I missed that. Everyone's freaking out in the bathroom, hoping that Tess's mirage, Uh I guess, is, you know, gonna last. But it flips back and forth to... What Nicholas and Ida are seeing, which is a wall with a mirror on it, to real life, which is them staring at a wall with a door right in front of them that they don't see. Which I really liked that. Yeah. That back and forth. That was cool. Yeah. The Skins' town is to search the whole town street by street. Their to... idea is to search. What'd I say? The Skins' town is to search the town. <laughs> yep. Well, they're searching. There they go. <laughs> they're off on a search. And, uh... Tess remarks that she's never felt power like Nicholas's before. She's never come up against something like that. Mm-hmm. Which I think the the strain of this encounter here at the beginning and how much she pushed, like how much effort she put in, uh, I think this is one of the things that causes her power to like explode so much at the end. It's like mm-hmm. she's being forced in a position where she has to she has to grow. Well, we talked about this beforehand where when they first meet Nisato and he's telling them how to do things. You were worried that they were going to be stifled because a lot of times, like, uh, if a professional comes and says, oh, this isn't possible, but someone may have found a way around it had they not known that wasn't possible sort of a thing. And so I love the idea of their powers evolving and growing as well, um, that we don't know what's going to happen next. Mm Mm-hmm. So we have a very sweet scene between Liz and Max about... Um, Liz can tell her mom vanished while she was doing laundry because her mom always plays Elvis Costello music during laundry day. And that song is still playing over the scene where Max follows her to her room and is, is comforting her in the moment. But then Max looks at the bed and has a traumatic flashback to when he saw Max and, nope, Melissa and Kyle. Uh... I'm not drinking now. (laughs) Oh, it's very painful for him. This poor boy. But anyway, this is interrupted because Courtney collapsed. And she looks 
bad. The makeup people, she's got like a huge like Snickers bar vein in her forehead. Like her skin is like red and wrinkly. And so they, they draw a bath and get her into it. Uh, they're taking her clothes off and the boys are just standing there. And I love that Isabel pushes them out with her powers and slams the door shut. I love the casual use of powers. I want more casual use of powers in this show. That is one thing that I miss from season one. Because everybody used to use their powers all the time. But now we have to save our special effects for the big special effects things. But that was like a practical effect how she got the boys out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Courtney's husk wasn't fully developed yet before they put her in it. Right. And they're trying to figure out a way to like feed her. And Emily, I don't know if you know this. Did you know the skin is the largest organ in the human body? I didn't know that. Uh, did you know that... I can taste through my skin sometimes. I've heard that that is possible. I think we've actually talked about yeah. this on the podcast. When I put on sunscreen, I mm-hmm. taste it in my mouth. Is that why you tell your body that yes. lotion well, is vanilla I, Yeah, so if I smear <laughs> lotion on me, I can taste it in my mouth. And so it's gross. Yeah. This is not like if I put my hand in a bag of Doritos, I can <laughs> taste it. But if I slather something on enough of the surface area... Anyway, so... Thinking along those lines, Maria dumps a whole pill bottle of all of her vitamins and all of her, what do you call it? The stuff that you take? Supplements. Yeah. And she just dumps it in there. And they're like, well, uh, hope Courtney can just slurp some of that up through her, through her skin. The girls end up turning this fun girl's bath time into a torturation. Oh, yeah. Not and great. it works. They're much better at it than Agent Pierce. <laughs> um... And then Michael and Max are up on the roof. This Okay, so we had that talk with him and Isabel where Isabel isn't telling him everything. And now he's having a talk with Michael. And it feels like Michael is not telling him everything. Mm -hmm. And this is going to pay off by the end of the episode when Nicholas reveals all the lies that his friends have been. It's interesting because Max hasn't ever, like, been a leader. I mean, we talked about he's been behind the tree forever, you know, that sort of thing. And... I'm wondering if the reason that he's starting to take more of a leadership role is because of everyone saying, oh, you were the king, oh, all of this, and Max going, well, I should start acting like one. Because he's interrogating Michael on why was Courtney at your apartment and all of these things and just asking things that, like, Max as a friend has no right to ask about, um, but Max as a authority figure would need to know. And so I feel like Max is having a really hard time walking that line between friendship and I'm the king, I'm in charge. If you were half the king, Mufasa was. (laughs) And I don't know that Max has decided he wants to be king. That's just what he was in a past life. Yeah. So it's just interesting to see him because he's not very... Okay. He's not very confident in his... No, that's not even true. He asks with the expectation that he is going to get the answers, but he has no real authority behind his questioning. Um, do you know what this kind of reminds me of? What? Elokar from the Way of Kings. Oh. That he's inherited the throne mm-hmm. because of who his father was, mm-hmm. which is basically the same thing as Max being who he was in a past life. Yep. But he doesn't have the requisite information to be a good king mm-hmm. or experience. Okay. Um... And this is why 
the divine right of kings is a load of crock. You can't just be blessed with the knowledge to be a good ruler. Because you aren't, you don't just instantly know how to be a good leader. And I think Max is really trying to fulfill his role, but I don't think, well, for one thing, the rest of the team isn't supporting him. Everybody's like, oh, you're just the leader? Mm -hmm. And also the producers of the show are like, great, Max is in charge. (laughs) Done. Okay, so maybe this is going too far. And if we go on a tangent, I apologize. What I wish they would have done with Frozen 2. Yes! <laughs> is show that, because spoilers for Frozen 2, at the end, Elsa steps down as being queen and Anna steps forward to be queen. And I wish they would have shown... Shown yourself. <laughs> Anna throughout the the movie either being like, oh, yeah, we learned this from so-and-so, or like, like she would have grown up seeing her mom because a lot of people are like I can't believe she just became the queen I'm like I'm sure she would have picked stuff up but I really wish we would have seen her over the course of the movie already having that knowledge of being a queen rather than like oh well you're part of the bloodline so you just rule yeah Mm -hmm. like I don't think that Elsa being an introvert disqualifies her from being queen right but we know that like Anna is desperate I don't know you know we can't go off on a frozen. We can't. Tangent. I'm sorry for bringing it up. I also believe that can of worms too, like the end of Thor. Wait, two. that's a spoiler. <laughs> Fine. We saw another movie recently, and the ending I feel came out of nowhere. And then someone's like, "Well, somebody mentioned it once at the beginning of the movie," and I'm like, "That's not enough." <laughs> anyway, sometimes things in a story happen. Just because the person who writes it is like, this should be in the story. But I personally prefer stories with build up, set up, and then pay off. I feel we're getting a lot of everyone else's internal monologues and feelings except for Max's. I Mm -hmm. feel like once we get that, maybe we will understand where he's coming from a little better. But Mm -hmm. right now, like, we're getting all of Isabel's, like, inner conflict and Michael's inner conflict and even Courtney's inner conflict and Maria and Liz and everybody and Kyle. But Max is kind of just, like, along for the ride and making decisions that he really might not have the authority to make. Yeah, that, like, um, the episode where Liz breaks up with him is very much a Liz point of view episode Mm -hmm. that we see very few of scenes with Max where she's not present for them. Like, yeah. we do have some stuff with him and Tess in that episode. I'm not saying we don't have any. But that was very much a Liz's point of view episode. And maybe we'll get a Max point of view episode soon. Hopefully next week when he's feeling betrayed from all sides, except by Tess, who uh, literally broke the laws of physics to save them all. <laughs> okay, now we can talk about the bathtub torturation scene. So Tess, really intense, because she's like... She's like, okay, Courtney, you need to tell us why you're really here. And Courtney has kind of recovered enough with the bathtub, you know, to, to, you know, be more coherent and everything. And Tess pulls the plug on the tub and starts draining off this stuff that's keeping Courtney alive while they're asking her what's going on. And basically she's able to tell them that the skins have come and created multiple time pockets sort of a thing. Uh-huh. The human body can't handle it, so they dis- they disappear. And everyone's like, where? Where's our parents? Where's our friends? Are they are they dead? Like, And Courtney's like, this is what I know. Like, they've shifted, and if we can stop the weird time loops or whatever, then we can get them back. 
And they're like, okay, I guess that's good enough, I guess. Uh, but then we learned that the remaining humans will be on a countdown. Mm-hmm. So Liz, Maria. Kyle, his dad. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't know in which order they disappear. I would like to guess it's age order. Oh, okay. That maybe Liz is just a few months. Because, like, the sheriff disappears significantly before the teenagers. Mm-hmm. And then the teenagers disappear pretty closely one after the other. Yeah. So I would like to imagine that Liz's birthday is first in the year. And then Got the it. other two. Uh, but, <laughs> ladies, gentlemen, they and thems, it is time for another round of Roswell, New Mexico's complete lack of gun safety. <laughs> Both of us were screaming about <sighs> this. So, one of the skins comes into the Crashdown Cafe, and he's chasing after Liz and Maria. They, uh, you know, they have some antics and struggles to get away. I thought they were going to use the heat lamps in the kitchen to get rid of him. But instead, okay, so these three characters are all standing one in front of each other. Yes. Like, like the three of them are directly in a row. Liz and Maria are back in the kitchen. The guy's standing on the other side of the window or whatever and the sheriff of roswell (laughs) who should know better about guns than anyone fires directly into the enemy with the two girls standing directly behind him and emily did you know bullets penetrate what he could have fired directly through that man into the girl standing behind him. I know. I was upset about it, too. I yeah. yelled about it. We were, we were all yelling. And then we were laughing. Because, okay, the shot does go all the way through because smoke explodes out of the dude's chest. <laughs> Liz and Maria should be dead. <laughs> Here's what I think. I think that the sheriff is like, it doesn't matter. We'll just get... Max to heal them all. <laughs> I think that's what Acceptable it is. Acceptable collateral damage. Well, it turns out guns don't kill skins, but Emily, Courtney will eventually reveal this. How do skins die? So when you put on the husk, there is like a, a button that would release the seal that's built in. So like Courtney like lifts up a big old flap of skin on the on her back and shows them like this button. And she says if you hit it hard enough, it'll break the seal permanently and you know, we can't survive in the atmosphere and we'll die. Uh, <laughs> it's right where a tramp stamp is. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, our characters, we have several characters do this quite effectively. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, okay, I'm going to feel stupid. The Power Rangers, the gray people that they fight, you just have to hit them. Oh, I don't remember. You, don't, you just had to hit them really good one time on like this big old circle they had on their chest. I'm so mad I can't remember what the name of those things are. But, yeah, like the putty people or something. I don't know. I just remember Z- Zord. Oh, okay. And Tommy. Love and of my Tommy. Life. Oh, maybe we should watch that then. No. <laughs> I want to watch. Interesting. Listen, as a kid, obsessed with Power Rangers. Loved it. Mm-hmm. I don't feel that narratively it was something I would enjoy okay. in my 30s. That sounds good. Um, so they've made, they've made a plan that they're all going to go over to the UFO center because it used to be a bomb shelter and there's no windows. There's very few doors to get in and out. It will be much easier to defend. And so Max is giving everyone jobs of like, this is what you will do and this is what you will do. And when it comes time for Kyle's turn, Max just says, 
you're not someone I can trust. And then looks directly at Liz. <laughs> I don't think Liz has told Maria about this subject. She has not. Yeah. No, she has not. So uh, I'm thinking we're going to get a very special episode about safe sex. And I, uh, Michael is going to, no, Max is going to finally admit to Maria what he thinks Liz has done. And Maria's going to flip off. Yeah. Yeah. The sheriff is starting to not look great, but he's kind of just like blowing it off as they're all like working hard to get everyone into the UFO center because they're going like a group at a time to get everyone in there. And Max and Isabel are the last ones. And Isabel is just like, listen, need you to let me do something and not ask questions. And basically she's saying, I have to go find Nicholas and talk to him. And Max is like, absolutely not. And she's like, okay, you're right. Max turns around for five seconds and she is gone. I'm like, yes, Isabel, don't let people tell you what to do. Okay, but also, Isabel, tell the rest of your teammates what's going on. Okay, here's my question, though. If you were in Isabel's shoes and you had found out that the reason that you guys were all here doing all of this was because of you, even if it was your past self, would you tell people? So I think we've talked about this enough that I personally don't believe a clone is the same person. Mm -hmm. Because I think the consciousness that ends up in a clone body cannot be replicated from the original. Okay. So while it's like I was talking about how like Elicar's father was the king. Mm -hmm. I feel like the, the actual beings that their genetic makeup is a duplicate of. That's more like their biological parents than anything mm -hmm. else. And so if she found out, like, if I found out that my parent had done all of this, I don't know. For me, I feel it's different. And I, I, she found out about this, like, three or four episodes ago. Mm -hmm. And now it's becoming a huge problem. And that's why you should just tell people things. Yeah. Because I feel like, even though it was, like, her, quote, unquote, it wasn't her that did it. Yeah. It was... And I, and I feel like that would give me an out to say my past self did this. But again, how do I put this eloquently? I would want to put all the blame on my past self and be like, I personally would never do this. I'm, and I don't, and I won't apologize for it because I didn't do it. Like yeah. I wasn't the one that did this. Here's the information I found out. Let's make sure it never happens again. But there's always stories of, like, hubris, of, like, people trying so hard to make something not happen that they end up making it happen. And I always hated those. I hated those stories so much. But she does, you know, ditch Max. And runs right to Nicholas. Runs right to Nicholas. So, now that we're recording this and we're going through the episode again, I'm really sad that Courtney's gone. I was excited because this is... Just what happened with Congresswoman Whitaker. We found out she was a villain, and then she died the next episode. Now we've got Courtney on our side, and she's died the next episode. And I was like, oh, okay, I like that they teased at the end that maybe Nicholas will come back later. And I'm like, good, good. Use your recurring characters. I would have loved to see Miss Topolsky back. I mean, yes. I mean, we did get her back, but then she immediately died. But, like, more recurring characters, please. Mm-hmm. And so Michael and Courtney have this last little heart-to-heart, -heart, and she admits that something that could save her is the granolith. So we have another clue as to what the granolith can do. Mm -hmm. And now that we know that they're, the world that they came from has different layers of time all compressed together, 
I think that could like help mature her husk the remainder of the way that it needed to go. Mm-hmm. So while that's happening, Liz and Kyle are in the UFO center Mm -hmm. and they are using the surveillance technology. Okay. So that dude who had cancer bought the UFO center. Brody. Brody. Is he still running it? Do you think? Yes. He has disappeared. Well, yes, he's disappeared in this episode, (laughs) but yeah. Okay. So they're using the more sophisticated surveillance equipment to get a better idea of what happened. Mm -hmm. What sort of anomaly has done this to the town. Once they, once they get a better idea, Liz, like, goes to talk to the others, and then Kyle's dad comes in, and I'm like, can you tell me about the scene with Kyle and his dad? It is so sweet, because the dad really is trying. He starts, like, you can tell he's breathing a little heavier, like, like something's going on, but he starts bringing up all of these wonderful memories he has of Kyle, like the night the mom left. Kyle was six years old, and he didn't want his dad sleeping alone, so he brought his dad his favorite stuffed animal so his dad wouldn't have to sleep alone, but Kyle slept alone. And, you know, he's talking about, like, oh, the first time you tied your own shoes, like, and and how we took the training wheels off your bike. And he's just saying, like, I am so proud of the person that you are. And I think the sheriff has, I think the sheriff has done the most growing as a person throughout this whole episode. Because he, like, okay, we talk about Kyle having a lot of emotional maturity. Yeah. I don't want to say he got it from his dad, but his dad is showing a lot of emotional maturity here. I think his dad may have gotten it from Kyle. I think his dad may have seen Kyle's real intent to change. And while Kyle has changed like 89% and the sheriff may have only improved like 15%, mm-hmm. I think Kyle has been a really good example for his dad. Mm-hmm. And I, you all, you all listened to our season one coverage. You know how much I hate Sheriff Inappropriate <laughs> Valenti. Which, oh my gosh, end of the episode. I'm not going to spoil <laughs> it, but he's back. The inappropriate sheriff is back. But this scene made me think of when Kyle died. Mm-hmm. That these are probably the things the sheriff wished he had said to Kyle before Kyle had died. And mm-hmm. now that the sheriff is probably thinking that he is dying... He's trying to say it all. And I yeah. and I love, you know, they were fighting that morning in the car and Kyle's like, I'm nothing but a huge disappointment. I love that the sheriff's like, no, I'm proud of you because sheriff's dad is a real piece of work. <laughs> yes, he is. And it's interesting to see these three generation of men and how, like, the hurt got passed down, definitely got passed down between all three of them. Break but, the chain. But Kyle's dad is trying to change. And Kyle's changing. And then... Poof! Sheriff Valenti vanishes in a flash of green blobby whatever. Yeah. And Kyle's just standing there freaking out very quietly. But, like, he doesn't go out yelling and screaming. He just, like, very calmly tells people, it's like, my dad just disappeared in front of me. And, like, that's not great. Oh, so Max comes into the UFO center sans Isabel. Mm-hmm. And we're, it's, it's time to think of a new plan. Uh... There's this great moment where there's a, uh, Maria walks by a little house display with a mannequin holding an apple pie. And I'm like, dang, she is much more realistic than a mannequins we saw last episode. And then I was like, oh, it's not a mannequin. It's not a mannequin. And Maria walks back into the shot and the old lady is gone. And I'm like, the skins are in, which is so interesting that they're like, we're going to go to the UFO center. It's so much more defensible. And then it was infiltrated almost instantly. Uh, but Tess does an incredible spinning kick. And kicks this old lady right in her release button. <laughs> it's 
Yeah, look at that. Kicks her right in her tramp stamp. <laughs> and the poof, the lady's dust. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone's going to head for the school, but Max has Kyle go get your dad. And Kyle's like, I can't. Um, so they're talking about how they can possibly fix what's going on. Because, you know, the dimension is catching up to everybody and, and the humans are in a lot of danger. Risk. Yeah. Kyle puts together, we saw that weird dingle hopper sticking out of the UFO sign. We've got to go deflate that. We've got to go take it down. <laughs> anyway, the rod's a problem. And they got to get rid of that. And so Kyle's all gung-ho about, like, I'm going to go do this. And Max says, no, we stick together. And finally, Kyle stands up, but he's just like, you are not the boss of me. Like, Max is being really insufferable in this episode. And I don't know if he's just unsure of what he's doing or anything. But but you can't just tell people to do stuff. Okay, but you know why he's mad at Kyle, right? Oh, I totally know why okay. he's mad at Kyle. I'm just saying, sir. Yeah, you're not my king. <laughs> uh, and then we had this moment with a tight white shirt. Has a stare down with tight dark shirt. But Max which is a sign of a good leader, realizes he can be helpful in this situation. Mm-hmm. And he gives Kyle helpful directions to get out of town. Yeah. And then Liz and Max share a look. And then Kyle says, I'll take care of her. Because <laughs> Kyle, I don't know how much detail Liz gave him. I have no idea. But I'm sure he wouldn't have done it if she isn't like, this is important. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't be together. Yeah, yeah. So he's not being gloaty about it. Like, yeah. do you remember in season one where, like, he and Max have to do the report together? Yeah. And he's so salty about the fact that Max and Liz are together and he's not anymore. And he's being very mature about this. Kyle, we need more of Kyle's in this world. He's saying this season is Kyle's time to shine. It better be. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in the midst of all this emotional quadrangle Courtney's left mm-hmm. Courtney's gone. gone come back to a scene I didn't very much care for but I thought was pretty well done the reason why I didn't care for it is Isabel is captured and in magical handcuffs on the special bus and she's using her feminine wiles to get to Nicholas like of course Nicholas incel lad who who feels trapped in an ugly body when he used to be handsome his thoughts not mine he she- calls her you beautiful moron <laughs> I loved that line, though. Anyway, she tries to intimate that they will make out. Because she's trying to get information from him. And it does, like, start to work. But just like how she smacked him with the pipe and then threw the pipe away, she doesn't have very good follow-through. And when the show started, Isabel was the very best with alien powers. Mm -hmm. She used them the most. She was the most comfortable and casual with them. And... Emily, I would like to see more alien powers from Isabel. I mean, she was able to throw Max and Michael out of the room and slam the door. And I know Nicholas is excessively powerful, even more so than the rest of them. But I would have liked to see her put in the effort to try. What were we watching the other night where... Oh, it was The Lost City with Sandra Bullock and Shannon Tatum. So good. And there is a scene where our two main characters who have no sort of any special combat training um 
both of them use stuff within their environment to try and fight off a group of people inside of a tank. Mm -hmm. And they eventually fail, but they both put in really good effort and it does look for a bit like they're going to win. Mm -hmm. And it's just that the bad guys were a little bit better. And it felt a lot more satisfying than this scene where Isabel separated herself from all of her friends and walked straight to the bad guy. What was her plan? I don't Like, know. just to get info? Because she pushed him down and went to run out of the bus. But it almost looked like she was grabbing a camera at the same time. Yeah. What camera? I don't know. And so I was like, is she going to try and take pictures of them? For what purpose? So, like, her, her purpose was really unclear of what she was trying to do. Mm-hmm. So. Well... Oh. Meanwhile, back to a much more emotional scene is the three human teens are in a car driving out of town mm-hmm. and Liz is freaking out in the back seat because she's like, Max will never know I love him. And this is the end of her world. And so I think all of the warnings that future Max gave her about never telling anyone, never letting them know what's going on kind of really pales in comparison that, you know, this is her last chance to tell Max about how she feels and she didn't. And Kyle says something really nice because I I would think that in like another TV show where you have the jock who finally has the shot at the girl to be like, oh, it's too late or what or like really try to persuade them to not go talk to this person. But Kyle just says he's Max. He'll always know. Like Kyle knows how much Liz means to Max. Like even with this whole thing. I, I think Kyle is just like, listen, if you told Max the truth, he doesn't say this, but I feel like Kyle believes like if Liz told Max the truth about what they didn't really have sex, this was a big misunderstanding. I wonder if he's confused as to why Liz hasn't cleared that up yet. Well, yeah, I would like to know what Liz, what Liz told him. Mm-hmm. But as Liz is panicking and saying that Max will never know, that's when she vanishes from out of the backseat. Yep. Yep. And so now we just have Kyle... And Maria, and Maria is rightfully freaking out. Right as they get to the sign, Maria is just panicking, panicking, panicking. And Kyle is the one that has the level head at this point about like, let's get this done. How do we do this? And they have this great conversation where we find out both of them are terrible at science. Then they have to take care of, I mean, I feel like if Liz was there, she would have a plan in five seconds. And they have to like really think it through and really figure it out. And she go, Maria goes, how does electricity work? And Kyle says, why are you looking at me? We were both in the same remedial science class for three years. And I just loved that, not ashamed. It's not a bad thing to be in a remedial class because sometimes people just need extra help. But I love that these two are the sweet dum-dums of the group that yeah. this isn't their forte and, and they the, have to try anyway. The way that you think about it, they used to be a friend group because mm-hmm. while Kyle was dating Liz... It would have been, we talked about this in a much earlier episode, but it would have been Maria, Alex, Kyle, and Liz. Mm-hmm. On the outside, always looking in. <laughs> Can but I be bored? I have always been. Because I'm tap, 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 and on the glass. Glass! Through I'm surprised there weren't more than one skin guarding. Skin, yeah, because there's one big dude, and... You know, Kyle says, Buddha, forgive me, but I'm not going to let this happen. And he he gets rid of the guy by hitting him on the, the seal, breaks the seal. 
Right before he disappears and leaves Maria all by herself. All by myself. Which, listen, if I was Maria, I would be freaking out. This reminds me of the uh, Megamorph special where they they get stuck in Z-Space. They all turn into mosquitoes. Maybe it's not a Megamorphs, but they all turn into mosquitoes. And because they're so small, the portion of their mass that has ended up in Z-Space gets struck by a ship traveling through. And all of them are pulled onto an alien ship. Oh. But it's working like a rubber band. Mm -hmm. And so one by one, the Animorphs are getting snapped back to their bodies. And so, like, they'll be mid-conversation and someone else in the group will vanish. Mm -hmm. And they have a time-sensitive mission that they're trying to complete. But the Animorphs are, like, each vanishing throughout the book. Then when you get to the end of the book, uh, when the last character snaps back in time, they all arrive back at the same time. Mm. And so... Oh, that one's real. That one's probably one of my favorite books. Is that the one when Jake says, just kidding, let's go home and not do this mission? Maybe. <laughs> I swear there's something like that where, like, the mission goes terribly and then they, like, end up at the same. Okay, maybe I'm making that it That might up, be but... that one. Jenny, Ted, write in. Tell us. Tell us which one it was. <laughs> Nicholas has caught up with Courtney. Poor Courtney. She looks bad. Worse than she has the entire episode. Ed, listeners. I would like to tell you, one of my dreams is doing an acting role where I have to sit in a makeup chair for four plus hours. Mm-mm. I would love to do that. I think that would be the perfect role for me, as long as I have music or something to listen to. Did you know that um, Jim Carrey got some patience tips from How to Resist Torture from CIA operatives when he was learning how to be the Grinch? Because <laughs> he's in the chair for like seven eight or eight hours. hours. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. That's my dream. I would Mm-mm. love to do that. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I think you'd be really good at it. You think you'd be really good at yeah, it? Yeah, I think it'd be amazing. I believe you. I, I don't. Yeah. Uh, so we see how Nicholas's mind powers work that he... He can suck the memories. Just he just <laughs> puts his hand on someone's brain and goes... <laughs> he doesn't actually make that noise. But it's really sweet and it's really wonderful that he's getting all this information from Courtney and he's going to find out about the granolith because Michael told her where the granolith was and she presses her own tramp stamp rather than let this information out yeah because she knows how important it will be that if they find where the granolith is so many bad things will happen so yeah she self-sacrifices herself in order to keep everyone safe and i i think she had a really great character run me too of going from we don't know what you're about and we don't know if you're a good guy or a bad guy to sacrificing herself for their cause the final showdown is at the school, mm-hmm. and I think having these disappearing characters ended up working really well, mm-hmm. because we were cutting to like a lot of different scenes, but the final showdown will be all in one place, which yeah. is the opposite of last episode, where it worked keeping the tension up by cutting to all the different stories. So mm-hmm. it's funny how the last episode and this one ended up being opposite, <laughs> but the skins corner all of our remaining aliens in the school Mm -hmm. um as maria i guess we are doing some cutting but maria is uh doing her best to get the jumper cables over (laughs) the monolith (laughs) (laughs) but this is some stuff that we talked about earlier nicholas spills isabel's old name Mm -hmm. it's not villanelle what is it valandra 
vanilla. And <laughs> then he also intimates that Michael definitely told Courtney where the granolith was. Mm-hmm. And, and Max is betrayed! Yeah. In this final scene, Tess is the only one that pulls through, that, like, stays loyal. Mm -hmm. And I think that as the series, I know this isn't the time to make predictions, but as the series continues to go on, Max is going to value Tess's loyalty more and more and more because now everyone else has betrayed him. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so Nicholas does some of his own torture tactics and starts torturing everyone else who starts screaming as they're tied to these pillars. <laughs> and- I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> Nobody's tied to anything. All of the actors are pretending to be tied to their pillars. There are zero ropes. They cut to their hands several times and there's nothing holding them. And I know that technically it's because they're being held there by alien powers and not by ropes, but it's very funny that everyone is just acting tied up. (laughs) And Max is immediately, I mean immediately, no, stop, I will take you to the Granolith, just you. And I find that really interesting because he is immediately like, please don't hurt them, I will do anything, versus Tess, who is ready to, to like, in torture gate, Courtney to find out what she wants to know. Like, I thought that was great. Heroes are stupid. (laughs) And Emily, you have my express permission and, in fact, my desire that if someone's like, tell us what we want to know or we'll throw Megan off a cliff, I'll figure out how to fly on the way down. I'll be fine. <laughs> Let them listen. If it's between me or the world, I want you to lives of the many, needs of the few. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so Nicholas is giving them really good information too, because he's like, "Oh, in the old days, I would be no match for you, at all." And he is trying to pull this information out of Max's head, and it is extremely painful. It looks like, and you know, Max is not looking real good. <laughs> Poor Max. Uh, He is now two for two on terrible torturings. (laughs) But this is flashing back and forth between Maria trying to figure out how to disrupt the, um, disrupt the whole, you know, energy field or whatever. And she gets the car cables. She puts them together, which I thought that would electrocute a person. It was sparking. Okay, do you remember when your car <laughs> batteries were out and we had to go and jump it? I was petrified the whole time because oh, I yeah? don't. I'd watched other people jumpstart cars, but I'm just like, that's a lot of electricity. You've got to put it on the right thing, or like stuff's gonna blow up. And I know it's not that dramatic, but like, I was so scared the whole time. And here's here's Deluca just like clamping car, you know, jumpier thingies to each other and throwing it over the rod and. She disappears seconds after she does it. So she saved the day. Maria, good for her. You start with a positive attitude. Okay. (laughs) Which I didn't have. So you connect the positive terminal onto the live car, the negative terminal onto the live car. Are you sure you do the live car first? Yeah. Okay. It goes positive, negative, negative, positive. Okay. Okay. I don't know. I'm pretty sure. I can't fact check this. There was a space of time in March where I had to jump my car like four times. Oh, gosh. It should probably be the dead car first. (laughs) Hey, uh, listeners, 
Google it. Don't take our word for it. We're not a reliable source of car information. But yeah, um, Nicholas has found the pictures of the granolith in Max's mind and is ready to pull the information out of it when Tess, like, goes feral. Like, she screams. And she, and Meg, what did you think was happening? I thought she was showing them a psychic fireball because the (laughs) the graphic behind her was so green screened. And we cut to the skins. It's in slow motion. And one of the ladies screams, but there's no sound. But you could see from her lips that she goes, it's a fireball. (laughs) And she ends up calling real fire. Mm -hmm. She destroys all of the skins. Tess. Play of the game. Play of the game. Uh, but Maria's a close second. Maria's first. P- play of the game, though. Maria. Okay. I'm 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 with Maria on this one. All right. Okay. Then Tess is most improved player. Okay. I'll Wait, take no, that's that. the sheriff. <laughs> <laughs> and so everyone's back. Everyone's back. And they just show up. I'm assuming the same place that they disappeared. Uh, rather like. Infinity. Yes. Game. Yes. And war. war. I did that on purpose. I did it to make you laugh. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> Good job. Age of Infinity Jers. <laughs> oh. Doctor America. <laughs> Iron Panther. Age of. What did I say when we? That dude's from Voltron. Voltron. Age of Voltron. Um. Alex is back at the diner eating his apparently freezing cold pancakes and is mad that his pancakes are cold. But then he takes a drink of milk and doesn't say anything. And I think it would have been funny if he's like, my pancakes are cold, but my milk is warm. (laughs) Then the the sheriff sits down next to Alex and puts his hand on Alex's back and goes, hey, kiddo. How's it going? Like, too close. Too, like, he, like, puts his hand on his shoulder, pulls Alex in. Yeah, then puts his <laughs> hand up on his neck, and he's he's just really holding on to him. And Alex is like, uh, it's good. Like, Alex is too polite to say anything, but uh, the sheriff is not letting go. <laughs> Inappropriate. Inappropriate. Anyway, Isabel and her mommy issues are reunited. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, Isabel's mom shows back up and she has those like joke dishwashing gloves that have fake nails and a fake ring on them, which I think Mm -hmm. is really fun. But she's so happy to have her mom back. So happy. Uh, And then we get to see Maria and Liz reuniting in slow-mo beneath the sign. (laughs) And then Kyle does this cute little wave like, hey, I'm here. Me too. Hi. (laughs) It's cute. It's very cute. Right. Final scene, Tess is talking with Max about her new frightening abilities because she was just trying to scare them. And then she says, Max, I lost control. I tapped into something completely different. And Max says, do you think you could do it again? And she says, I don't think I'd want to. Yeah. And, okay, pause and time out because something very significant happens here too. But I think Max is starting to take his role as leader very seriously because the skins just came at them with everything they had. Like an, uh, uh, 
a machine or whatever that made an, an entire town disappear and powers that could just pluck answers from his mind. And I think Max is trying to gather up what forces he has for the next time there's an attack. But their conversation is cut short because some little kid on a scooter clips Tess by the elbow. But we don't see the kid's face. He looks like Nicholas. Like it's Nicholas's hair, the sort of clothes Nicholas was wearing. I bet they, even if it ends up not being him, I bet they use the same actor for this scene. Probably. But that was the end of Roswell Season 2, Episode 7, Wipeout! Wipeout! <laughs> Emily, what's the next episode called? <gasps> okay, so the next episode is Season 2, Episode 8, Meet the Dupes. The dupes? The dupes. The duplicates, you say? <laughs> Are we meeting everyone's evil twin? Oh, Are no. we... I'm duplicated. <laughs> <laughs> I duplicated. Okay, so Star Trek Lower Decks Season 2 is out now. Mm-hmm. And we have an episode where there's an alien called uh, Dupler. And every time uh, he gets embarrassed, he duplicates. And there's now two of him. And, and they, to four, to eight, to 16, right. to blah, blah, blah. It becomes a huge problem. Um, and they cast a really great voice actor for it. But when we're storyboarding, initially we have um, one of our editors will just read. We'll get a recording of the entire script with just one person acting all the voices. Uh, it's called Scratch Dialogue. And the scratch voice for the Dupler is so funny. And I just hold it in my heart because, you know, so the, so the, the actor they cast um, played it much more, like, serious, much more in his natural voice. <laughs> but the scratch voice is like, oh, no, I duplicated her. her, her. And it's just, I, I miss it. Nobody look at me. <laughs> we both did it. <laughs> All right. Well, Megan, what do you think will happen? Doubles! They're going to get doubles of themselves. Okay. Meet the dupes. Meet the dupes. Okay, but maybe that's a play on meet the parents. Maybe. And so we're going to we're going to we're going to we're going to have a flashback episode and we're going to see history on that planet and we're going to see the people that they are duplications of. So, these are my two guesses. We are either going to see the people that they are the clones of or we're going to find out who was in the second pod of four aliens, which I think is doubles of them. Okay. Those are good guesses. Thank you. I'm excited to see how right or wrong you are. I know, but you're going to find out. Yes, I am. But, Meg, thank you so much for watching Roswell, the 1999 version with me. I'm having a very good time, and thank I'm you. glad that you are having a better time than you were before. Yeah, it's getting better, you guys. You have to admit it. It's not going downhill from Max to the Future. It's going uphill, which is great, but we'll see how I feel after this next episode. That's good. Well, everyone, I'm going to go and get working on my book. Uh, I'm going to go write an outline. Awesome. I believe in you. I believe in you, too. Ready? Break! Break. Thank you again so much for tuning in to My Sister Made Me View It, the 1999 Roswell edition. I just want to let you know that Megan and I are going through a little rough patch, but we're going to come out stronger than ever because she's making me drive her to the airport tomorrow morning. We have to leave at 6.15 in the morning.
It's so early. You need to bring your dog. <laughs> so that's where we're at, if anybody cares. Anyways, uh, again, thank you for listening. We just have a really fun time playing this and hanging out and chatting about stuff. And we just are so glad you've decided to join us and hang out with us as well. A quick update, the next episode for Words of Radiance by Brandon Sanderson, that will come out on Thursday, September the 1st. And then our next Roswell episode will come out on September the 8th. That's the Thursday after that. Um, We were all set up to do another set for our miscellaneous feed, but Meg had some pretty cool stuff pop up for her job. So we've had to push our recording back a little bit. We will keep putting out our Roswell and our Words of Radiance currently, but we've got to record all of One to Watch before we can start posting just because of our... What? You're looking at me like I'm nuts. We don't have to record all of it before we post it. We don't. But we have to make... record some of it. <laughs> some of it. <laughs> we haven't done that yet. <laughs> so if that gives you a few extra weeks to read your book, great. We hope you do, and we can't wait to talk about it with you. So, in the meantime, a special thanks to Michael Biancardi for the use of his song, A Passing Storm. We super appreciate that. What? A passing story. <laughs> Can I not be proper? <laughs> Thank you, Sir Michael, for your song, <laughs> A Passing Storm. <laughs> I'm driving you to the airport at <laughs> o'clock in the morning. <gasps> can't say that our mom might listen to this podcast (laughs) anyways this is what i have to put up with send me your well wishes and we look forward to next week when we do this all over again just remember we believe in you